about that time, about that time, about that time, yeah, about that time. Welcome to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. Jabari to Kessler. Auburn men talking. Auburn men's basketball. It has been a brilliant year from start to finish for Auburn. No frills, no gimmicks, just ball. Jabari Smith. Now, here's your host, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. All right, guys, we're back. What I what I like to think is the official start of the new the new season. We get season one of the Jungle Auburn Basketball Podcast, and this will be season two. We're playing in Israel, which we've been really hyping up the last couple months with interviews from Stephen Pearl talking about it, how important these games are. We met with Burgomaster and Coach Pruitt live in New York City. If you haven't checked out that episode, it took us a while to get it up. We're both very busy this summer, but they talk about how important these international trips are. And we're in Israel, and one of my best friends in New York got married recently. He's originally from Australia, but he has converted to Judaism. And I have been able to follow him recently, like over the last two years of his like conversion story. And he got married uh, this like about a month ago. Congratulations, Mazel Tov, Amanda and Alex. And I have a yarmulke from the wedding. No other podcast will have a podcast host in a yarmulke. Just this one. So you're welcome, folks. Bruce will be really happy to hear that. Uh, I saw Coach Burgermaster retweeted our episode. So maybe maybe Bruce will hear about your yarmulke. That's a big deal. I, I am a fan of the chosen people. I have many good, you know, growing up, I not to get too far in the Jewish show, growing up, I didn't know like anyone that was Jewish at all in Alabama. I mean, it's pretty rare, honestly. It's got to be one of the most rare Jewish communities in all of the states or whatever. But man, you live in New York City. You make a lot of good Jewish friends and they're good people. And it's very interesting to watch coach Bruce Pearl and the team, like learn all about that. And I've learned a lot over the last couple of years, very interesting place, but we have a game. We don't have to get too deep into all the, the different parts of Israel and Judaism, but uh, you know, it's a little fun to get festive. Uh, we won against the Israeli under 20 team, 117 to 56. That is a doubling up of the other team. Uh, we will have to get into a little bit about, uh, how good uh, this other team is. We were looking for a little context, hopefully from the ESPN crew. I mean, they're there in person talking to these people. It would have been nice to get a little more context, like trying to show like how similar they are to other college basketball teams or what kind of players they have. But I think uh, ultimately we really just out athletic this other team and they really, uh, you felt a little bad at times for this other team. They were frantic. We were all over them. We were just, it was too much for them. Yeah, for those who haven't paid too much attention, this this should feel a bit like a stair-step tournament. There's three games. They should get a little more difficult as you go, finishing off with the actual national team that will have at least one NBA player that I know of that we'll get to talk about next week. Um, but so this was very much kind of a almost like a practice uh, game of sorts. You got to play against another team besides your teammates, which is always good. I think the biggest takeaway for me, not only – did we look like we're in great shape? Looks like the guys enjoyed playing together. Um, the energy and the effort was just there for a game that was pretty completely meaningless. But they were obviously excited to be on this special trip and on this stage and get to play against somebody else. And they really, it was kind of a physical game. Um, and I think Auburn initiated that, we kind of played Bruce Pearl basketball. And I'm not sure the Israeli under 20 team was ready for it. 
it was it was nice that they seemed to take it seriously. We, were, me and Matt, were talking about that like for months leading up to this. That all we wanted was this bonus basketball and really get to pretend like these are real games. We, we didn't even right before we logged on this podcast, we were debating because this game got so out of hand and so ridiculous. It's it's kind of hard to break it down in a real basketball game standpoint. But we're gonna try because it's fun and it's just really cool in the like most doldrums part of the season for sports to have this bonus basketball it also coming off of a, a year where we were so excited that we get this we don't even have to wait for the f word to get through to get to our basketball team we we have it already and it's fun and we're yeah, gonna talk cool. about we're gonna talk about mvp even though it's kind of ridiculous but we're still gonna do it matt well i thoughts? was just gonna say let's just all be happy that it's august 2nd and we're watching auburn basketball we still get two more games this is such a cool thing and i bruce has really been pushing by the way i've heard you know, they want to be able, he wants other schools to be able to do this every year. You know, like you and I have talked, we've, we've talked to some of the coaches about that. Like, can, this is such a no brainer thing for, for student athletes and these kids. So it's really cool. Anyway, um, lots of balanced scoring, uh, lots of double digit scores today for Auburn. Everybody scored who played. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple MVP candidates. Uh, our guy, Johan, which you can talk about your Europe, European. Viva la France. Viva la If you I don't know. Right. I, I literally uh, went to France. We can get to that later and got asked the French basketball museum, uh, history of French basketball museum dude that's in charge of it had to say his last name. And I still have trouble with that. We'll get into that in a little bit. I was going to say everybody trolled Jackson because he's been in Europe for like over a month. So um, he's been living the dream out there. But so a couple candidates. I thought Chance Westry looked fantastic. I've been beating the drum of how good I think he's going to be. A lot of people in Auburn Twitter and in the fan base have been. He looks great. I thought Dylan Cardwell, obviously this is a great matchup for him. Double-double, uh, plus 40 in the plus-minus. I think he had a huge impact. Janai Broom uh, looked every against this competition, at least every bit of the kind of transfer you would want to take that uh, Walker-Kessler spot. Um, who else am I missing? Maybe, well, Johan. Yeah, I said Johan. He had 20 and, uh, 20 and 12. Is that right? 20 and eight? We're, we're working with a kind of janky box score. just a piece of paper. And I wanted to give a shout out. I said I would do it on Reddit to this guy, uh, Lift Commander or Left Commander. He, uh, he put up the thread on Reddit today, which I thought was great. There's like a game thread where people are talking about it, which is just so magical like four or five or six years ago, I guess it's been almost eight or nine years actually now that Bruce has been the head coach of the Auburn basketball team. And those first couple of years, man, I was a halftime of games and stuff, throwing threads up there and just talking to myself on the internet on Reddit, basically going like 20 comments by myself. And now during a, an international weird game like this, there's like 20, 30, 40 comments on like an internet, like an Israel, like random, not real game like this. And he, he also provided the box score, so shout out. Shout out to him for sure, because it's hard to find one. It's, it's kind of amazing. You've got ESPN there and everybody, and we can't seem to uh, get a couple things right, which we can talk about later. So I'm going to throw out four. Johan, Cardwell, Broom, and Westry. Those would be my nominations. I would say that that's the good, like, in tiers. I feel like that is the tiers right there. And I think the big difference is you have three big guys in there. And, man, we just bullied them. And I, I we need to look at percentage of shooting. I was asking on – I was on the Twitter spaces. There's always Twitter space after the Twitter. Shout out to the Twitter mob. They're always on top of things. And uh, I kept asking for percentages because it feels like 
we missed a ton of shots and we just out rebounded them so badly that like but the majority of Broom and Cardwell and Johan, everybody was just missing getting their own rebounds and putting it back in, which I just don't even like, you know, in the real SEC, it's not going to work like that. So I hate to like give them too but, much credit, you know. Well, we did shoot 52%, which is pretty good. And we did um, keep in mind, we're playing FIBA rules. We're playing 24 second shot clock. We're playing with a smaller ball. Uh, lots of weird things going on with the way these games are played. So let's, and you know, it's August. We're not in season. So let's not be too uh, over the top on we did, how we, we did have, we did have issues with the ball for sure. There was a lot of slipping out of hands and things, but man, yeah, there was, there was a lot of like step close up that I really wish they had made. So then like you kind of those tiers, you have the three big guys, Johan, uh, Cardwell and Broom, they just kind of bully balled everything, got every rebound, put everything back up. But then you have a chance who didn't score as much, but man, was he smooth. Like if you're going to, if we're not talking strictly MVP, we're talking what was the best part of the game. It was chance restory because he looked the part and it was tough in this game to necessarily look the part because we just were so much more athletic than them. Everybody got their points. We scored 117. So of course there's so many double digit guys and everybody had a big moment pretty much. But Chance looked like a legit ball player, the guy we wanted, and looked like even like that was another big thing I was looking at was shooting. We didn't really like make a ton of shots. Maybe in the third quarter, we started hitting some threes and things. A lot of it was just bully ball down low, getting the ball in after missed shots and things. But Chance was actually out there hitting things, looking smooth, doing kind of moves that come SEC play, I think he's going to continue doing. It's actually be functional. I don't think you can rely on four offensive rebounds before we finally get it in, you know. And, and, and it's a one-game sample size, obviously, but fascinated to see how he plays the next next couple games and into the season because didn't it just feels like the game comes to him. He, he is a willing passer. He's a great defender. He's bigger than you think he would be yeah. uh, when you first lay out. He's, he's got that NBA kind of frame, and he just lets the game come to him. It, it, he's going to have some of the most effortless 20-point games this season. I can just sense it already. I hope so. We, we always wonder if you project out to him, especially against a team like this. So maybe no. he looks different in another game. But I'm not but, talking but about we, this game at all. I'm talking about the kind of player and prospect he is. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I hope so. But he the, the big thing for me is, and I say this about a lot of these players, is you look and watch and see how the game, like the speed of the game feels for them. The yep. game looked slower for him. Yep. a lot of other players and this guy is a freshman a guy that we like sure we were some people were excited about we were way more excited for johan or the potential of that guy that ended up going to tennessee or any of these people jabari walker last year this guy was you know four star coming in we've had some great success with like an isaac okoro and a chumo kiki and like a very similar kind of like high four star role it looks slower for him out there he looked smooth the touch was good the shots were good the passing was really good man and he had some good defensive players too i think the first like play of the game or the first couple plays he got a great block on like a fast break from the other team it like he looked great I don't know if we can name him MVP or not like I guess if you think about it if all these other guys are packed with just being able to play bully ball down low and he could actually provide some like shooting and driving to bring the game out a little bit uh, it might be the MVP I, yeah, I mean, I, it just depends how you want to look at it, right? Do you want to look at the the stats or do you want to look at who looked what what you saw today looked the most sustainable in the season. And if you're going that, I, I think it's Westry. I, and if, I think it's not. I, I'm not trying to downplay Johans. He led the team with 20 points, had eight rebounds. Amazing. In his first game, freshman. 20 a lot points, of that, though. Scoring. A lot of that, though, was he had some good plays, some good moves. I'm not, I, 
I'm not saying I wasn't like impressed. It just, I was actually a little more impressed with Broom and Cardwell, how they got their stats than Johan. Because honestly, I, I was, I think Johan might be more repeatable than Broom and Cardwell. Like, because especially with Broom, there was like a, a like late third quarter thing there where he was just getting like two, two, two on like easy stuff that I was like, that's not going to be so easy come conference play. So I, it looked like the other team was just like, demoralized and worn out by the time Broom was really starting to like collect these like two pointers down low. I think the thing that I liked with Broom is the rebounding, the blocks. He, he is every bit and, you know, we're going to have a great, either him and Cardwell, <laughs> a good luck, you know, and, and then yeah. you don't get in that, like, we're still going to have the block party going, I think. And I don't think that's Look. an overreaction just from this game. I think that's, that's sustainable. So I guess Bruce very is, athletic center. Right? an old guy that has been around, who knows college basketball. I think he's just – he has a back-to-the-basket post game that I think is going to really help us give us another offensive option. Um, it, and, and to be fair, it's hard to watch all 12 guys. So I might have overlooked some Johan stuff. It, it, would, it just surprised me. And he got to play late with the scrubs. Yeah. And I think that affected the stats a little bit. I, 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 just, I think we've got to give it a chance just because those other three are so even and, and just kind of got their points. None of them, other than maybe a great hook shot from Cardwell at one point, which I was very impressed by, the rest of their points really felt like they came from handoffs and not even alleys really, like a lot of rebounds and a lot of like, they didn't create this offense for themselves, which is fine. I think, and that's why I picked, I think Johan might, I feel like Johan's was a little more, like he threw some dunks down that the Cardwell and, and, uh, Broom didn't that maybe like I think he might be able to repeat during the season at some point but Chance was really out there creating more you know I think like the game would have looked different if Chance didn't bring the defenders out just a little bit otherwise I don't know like I don't think anything really would have mattered this game like there was no. sometimes out playing into like they people were just putting their shoulders down getting down low throwing the ball up and we were just gonna go get it and score eventually you know or get a foul call and shoot some free throws yeah. well I, I will give credit here um, there were a lot of good passes to our big guys. We did fumble yeah. a lot of them. We saw some of that offseason rust, but uh, here's the stat of the game for me. Uh, 32 assists as a team on 46 made baskets. We, we were moving the ball well. All the guards had great moments of sharing the ball. Uh, we were making Jay Billis, which is great to have Jay Billis in Israel. Yeah, very cool. ESPN. This is just great publicity for us he, he seems to be having a great time on the trip just by the way he's talking about it, which is awesome but he kept talking about the extra pass like Trey Donaldson gets in as a true freshman extra pass to a three-point shooter in the corner and it's contagious when you play that style of ball and that's how Bruce teaches it I mean you're you're gonna be asked to be selfless take the open shot when it's there I think you saw Zeb, Katie, uh, Wendell all those guys do that so 32 assists on 46 makes is no slouch no matter who you're playing that it's a sign of how well we played offensively and we shared the ball. And that was with a bunch of turnovers and a bunch of missed opportunities too. And, and, and that'll give me an even more ammunition for a chance Westery MVP because he made some great passes too. He made a couple good passes as the point guard. He played point guard. We go after we crown him real quick. We'll have to get into that. He made some great passes. And one of the best passes he made was to your point, these extra passes, he had a three point opportunity where he made that extra pass to KD and KD hit the open three. And that's going to need to happen in these bigger games. Is that kind of like, not, not just that extra pass, but also KD hitting those open threes is something I'm watching for the next, these three games and and the early games next year. uh, How's this for a stat? First of all, I I don't question the box score because we're appreciative. Mm -hmm. It it didn't feel like uh, Westry had more than three assists. 
just watching yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But but here's the thing. How about this? The only guard on the entire roster with no turnovers. Who? Chance? Chance. Wow. And he played point guard too. Man. For, for some of the games. Yeah. I think we can crown, we can, we can crown, put the yarmulke. Can we can we treat this as like an Israeli like tournament? And if we win all three, we're we're uh, <laughs> national champions of Israel. And we are putting the yarmulke on Chance Westry's head for MVP, everyone. Jackson's gonna be walking this this fun line this week, everybody. Just, <laughs> I won't we'll be see. the only one. I won't be the only one. If, did you hear uh, the Gaza stripper story that Jay Billis yeah. was talking about? My guy, by the way, I just got to celebrate that I have a namesake on the Auburn basketball team, Trey Donaldson. That's my last name for those who don't know. Uh, really excited. He's playing basketball, focusing on basketball, not playing two sports. And uh, excited to see uh, how he does. But yeah, the Gaza stripper story was. That's a classic. <laughs> well, I'll say real quick because otherwise people aren't going to hear. Like you're not going to know it otherwise. Supposedly, Jay Billis is, is like following the team around, which is going to be interesting if he's going to keep telling stories like this. Because I'm sure Bruce is going to make some comments that are now color at some point. But he said uh, that Trey Donaldson has been trying to strip the ball a lot for people, uh, which is what you're going to do when you're a small point guard when people try to back you up and things. And they said. He's going to start calling him the Gaza stripper if he doesn't stop trying to strip everybody. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> let's just not put those words together. <laughs> like, Bruce doesn't care. I'll, I'll yeah, no, he doesn't care at all. But uh, so that's the MVP. And uh, I think some interesting stuff we can talk about. I don't know if we want to talk about, like, just general thoughts. And we're already talking about Trey Donaldson. He didn't get in until midway through the second quarter. It was a four-quarter game in this, like, European-style, FIBA-style. And he didn't get until midway through the second. And Chance Westery played point guard, like, off the bat pretty much not not right away i think the the Mm -hmm. Wendell played it right away but pretty quickly westry was like playing heavy minutes as the point guard which i thought was so interesting because i think a lot of people were plugging him in at the three as a guy that maybe could make up from our three-point shooting uh with flanagan maybe still being wonky and losing cambridge and things and he came out and he was playing shooting guard point guard i i would i would uh so first of all Bruce literally said that a month ago, and I don't think people believed him. Like, yeah, Chance is going to have a chance to play point in both of our two and three spots, and he's the only player on our team who he said that about. So just to make sure everybody's on the same page, we're, we have five guards. I mean, it, it, five um, – it, it depends how you cla- – I'm big on the two, three is the same because it really is uh, in our offense. But if you think about it, right, you have Zepp, Wendell, KD coming back. And Chance is clearly in that rotation as one of the four people at that one and two. That's why Trey came in later. We just have five of them. I think this probably lines up to be a year where Trey doesn't play much unless there's injuries and stuff. But that's a really solid four-man go ahead for a red shirt. Or huh? if people even red shirt anymore. We no, still don't know stretch red shirt or not. I brought that up in the Twitter spaces too. No one seems to know no. if he was trying to red shirt or what. He played like two minutes in the Jacksonville State March Madness game. That was like all he did all year. And so, like, why not redshirt? Is it just because people don't do it anymore? So then, like, you want to retray. Maybe he doesn't want to stay an extra Maybe he doesn't want to stay an extra year. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe all, all, all his homies are going to be gone by then. Well, then I don't, it's an extra year to transfer if you want to. I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. understand anybody that doesn't want to play college basketball anymore. I know there's a lot of work and different things. But, man, you, you can only do it for a certain amount of time in your life. You can always be – a dude working in a warehouse or a dude working behind a desk or whatever for the rest of your freaking life, you know? Let, let, let's not get on this rant. I'm, I'm more interested in the nerdy stuff. Uh, so Wendell and Zepp started together, which starting lineups mean nothing, but we'll get, we'll start to get a sense of the pattern. 
I, I just want to be very clear that Chance played point guard. Chance played the two and three as well today. He played, you know, either both or all three, depending on how you want to define it. Um, and then the other guy I want to point out is there every uh, between Jalen, Johan, uh, uh, Denai Broom and Dylan Cardwell, all of them played together in different combinations. And, and the function, Janai Broom played both power forward and center. So Cardwell stayed at center. Um, and then I'm really interested, like there's just, I mentioned this in our last podcast. I think we have so many versatile uh, positional options on this roster. And that's exactly how Bruce wants it. We have so many ways we can go based on injury, based on who gets hot, based on who plays well with who. And I'm just really excited to see all that play out. And I think it's cool that in a game this meaningless right away, you know, he, he was he was throwing a bunch of different lineups out there. And I think that's going to be probably the most fun thing to track over the next week for me. I love it. I love seeing all the different rotations. That's exactly what I want. I wanted to see a bunch of these different guys. Uh, the one thing I didn't want to see was walk-ons. And we always saw it was like one guy come in with like two minutes left, which was great. Even such a big blowout. I was afraid they were going to like try to hide things or something. It's great to just keep watching everybody. It's a there bummer that be- Leor's hurt. Leor got hurt in his yeah. You can't play. Bad luck for for this. This is like set up for him. But uh, I'll be curious to see how much we see about him. I'm afraid like he could be like uh I'm afraid he could just disappear like one day and we we like hear that like he's just not on the team anymore. You know, so we'll we'll see. But uh he's good. He's good. I just I think there's what are we doing? Well, you think we're processing him for another no, I think he's he could be one of those kids that just is like, uh, you know, I'm not really playing this year. I'm kind of like just done practicing and things. I'm just going to concentrate on my major or I'm going to start coaching or something. I don't know. We'll see. But what do you think about a, you know, team leader, uh, vocal, a little slim down, a little more athletic, Chris Moore. What'd you, what'd you think about seeing him? Not, not much. <laughs> there was, not I was, so much. I was literally what I was about to say is that there were, there were some tiers of guys that uh, didn't play a ton really. And Chris Moore was in there. He played a decent amount, but like he was very forgettable uh Jalen Williams didn't play as much as I thought he was going to play Zepp didn't play as much as I would have thought he was going to play just from like a tier standpoint I don't know if we can look at the like actual numbers here but for those yeah. three especially after how much we've talked about uh, or Bruce has talked about Jalen being a big guy for this year he like especially in a game where the other bigs just bullied their way in there and scored it like you know Broom, Johan, uh, Cardwell they weren't necessarily special scores they were just bullying down low and Jalen was not amongst them, and he should have been, I think, if we wanted to be what he wants to be, you know. I'm a big believer in analytics. Uh, Jalen had the highest BPS on our team. Walk me through BPS here. I'm not a big – I'm not big in it. Can we please have the statistics guy come on at some point? Please ask him to come on and explain to me because I'm an idiot. Um. It, it, it's a function of it's a value point system is what it stands for vps nerd it's, nerds it, it's considered one of the best to to assign value to all the parts of basketball that help you win so i just wanted to point out i'm not saying Jalen was spectacular i am saying i thought he did a lot of really good things like he always does and i i want i am on the Jalen williams you know he started i think he's going to start the season at power forward over johan i really do um you know, we'll see. We'll see how he does with this. This is thought, his senior year. It's his opportunity. I just thought it was a really quiet game for that could have should have been his way when the other three guys really showed it. It was that easy or not even easy, but just like built for them to, to bully and show off, you know, and they're, mm-hmm. he didn't do that much. Zepp was pretty quiet too. 
Uh, he did hit a good open three, which I really want to see him shoot more threes. Uh, hey, you can't say that and then disregard Jalen, you know, hit a hit a good three too. His, you know, I noticed in this game, his three-point shooting is kind of odd. He shoots it really slowly, and it's kind of like a slingshot, not slingshot, but like trebuchet almost. Like, it goes back, like, really, like, big, like, Jalen? Yeah. Nah. I was cool with this three-point shooter last year, but the, for some reason I noticed in this game, that it was a very slow release. It's the same shot. It's the same I shot. I have to go back and watch them. I just felt like it was, like, extremely slow release for some reason. Y'all, get ready. You're going to get so many Jalen Williams debates this year on season two of the Jungle Podcast. Really we'll see what that. my opinions on Alan Flanagan are, too, because I got burnt last year, and there was uh, Jay Phillips on the, you know, you know, space because I stayed on there for a while today, but he, Jay, Jay was talking about how he's an Alan Flanagan truther, and I was, too, last year. I was constantly talking about him, really cheering for him, and really thought he's going to come along. And now, because I got so burnt, I wonder if I'm going to be overly critical of him. But he yeah. had a fine game. There's some people really talking about how he looked back to – where we want to be and he's looking athletic out there and blah, blah, blah. but it's just tough because the other team was so unathletic compared he to also that. had some rough moments too he really yeah, did. i didn't think he was that great really and some of his points like there was one really bad one where he went down there and just like lowered his shoulder two or three times on a guy didn't get a charge call couldn't get the goal the goal up there and finally got a foul call like against the other team but i was like that is exactly what i don't want you to do this year because you tried to do that last year against real athletic players and they took charges on you and then he had two fouls early also like he just I don't know I didn't I didn't buy the whole he looks so great out there and there's a couple players like that that like it's just tough because we know they're pretty good players against unathletic teams and the issue's been can they match up against really good like top 10 top 25 teams and so when they look good in this one it's just tough to evaluate you know I I have two things. Uh, I want to talk about one player and then I want to talk about our favorite topic, which is I think the reason this is fun is we get to talk about how everybody looked physically and as players because that we love talking about who gets better, stronger, thinner, whatever. But first, can we give a I, I thought I know the level of competition, but the attitude and the approach and everybody around the program nationally when they ask Bruce and their coaches. Everybody talks about Dylan Cardwell, our guy. Um, so him. impressive. Do it all, Dylan. And, and what he has turned himself into, we've talked about the story over and over from his recruitment to, you know, the role he had on the team. He is clearly going to be part of the one-two punch at center with somebody, and it, it, we'll see how it all shakes out. But he is going to be a – I think what I took from the offseason and from today, he is not just a role player. I, I think he – he is a significant piece of this team. And I thought he looked great today. I, I really loved his hook shot he made at one point. And I was hoping yeah. to see more of that. The entire game, basically, because it, they were so much less athletic than us. And we just ended up abusing them. I was looking for, like, people made actual shots. And he, that was a great actual shot. I would love to see, you know, he, we've kind of given him this grace a little bit because he, he's a lower recruited guy. We weren't even sure what he was going to do with this team. And every year he's improved. He's played great defense, great enthusiasm, fan favorite. I would love to see him shoot the ball once or twice at, at, in going into his third season, you know, like from marked expectations from his freshman year to now, amazing night and day. He's going to be a real player and contributor on this team. But if he wants to keep making that those next steps, he's going to actually have to shoot the ball at some point and actually well, make an offense for himself. So I'm, I'd be curious to watch, like we need a second guy that can actually do something. Like he can't be this guy that comes in and, and, and plays some defense and gets some rebounds when Walker's out this year, he might actually need to, 
contribute a little more from the offense standpoint. He, he is a better defender, rim protector, rebounder, but will play a similar style of center. We've seen a lot of centers in this offense now, right, with Bruce. He's going to be like a Horace Spencer. Yeah, yeah. With a little more, I hope, a little more offensive, like, threat on his own. But the centers in this offense just, they don't make a ton of things happen on their own. So I think we've, we've talked about that. That's just kind of how it is. But I really like the lineup. I think much has gotten way better. I can say that. I think, oh, yeah. he, like, comparing, comparing him to Horace Spencer, like, he's gone past that now, which is great because we weren't yeah. sure if he necessarily would because his touch has gotten to a point where if he does have the ball and he's turned towards the basket, I, I – plan on him making the goal and freshman year I did not you know similar to Austin Wiley he didn't have great touch either it took him a while to get it Cardwell like he's developed more of a touch and I love that and I hope he can keep developing we see if we'll see if he peaks you know and and here's what I'm thinking you know that final four team we we gushed about we didn't have a podcast then but we gushed about the three centers right and they all had different roles and different styles I think Janai Broom can be similar different but similar style to an Austin Wiley with some back to the basket some really good rebounding and block shots kind of anchored inside a little more. And then I love the option of Jalen Williams and Johan at, at a stretch five, three point shooter, small ball five, uh, that that's going to like having those pieces. And I think Cardwell fits that for a Spencer, but better yeah. role for this team. Yeah. I would, lo- I would love to have seen two things. Uh, I mean, hopefully we will in these next two games and this game was just such a, we'll say it a thousand times, I guess it was just such a, mismatch that you couldn't really ask them to have to do more than they needed to to score whatever but I would have loved to see Broom make some actual moves down low you know they, they kept talking about how he's a, a back to the basket guy that can make his own offense he, down there he had some of that he had a, a little bit but I don't, there was not very many times where we and we're never going to do this a ton like we didn't do it with with Walker a ton we did we tried it with Austin and just didn't really work it's like ISO back there for them but I would love to see him make a couple more moves and I would have loved to see Johan shoot the ball a little more Maybe not like he didn't have to shoot a three-pointer, but I would love to have seen that his shot because supposedly he can do that and we'll need him to at least be competent from the three-point line. And I would love to just see any kind of jump shot or anything that wasn't a dunk or like offensive rebound put back because we didn't really see that. So he's led the team with 20 points, but it was surprising because he didn't really make any, I guess he played, he played, yep, played more minutes than anyone else. He played 19 minutes. Oh, no, Broom paid 19 minutes and 11 seconds. So he played one more second than, uh, Johan and they both scored a lot of points just from volume it feels like a little bit you know no you're right you're, you're good sorry I was gonna type in there uh I'm sorry I got distracted we're we, we're a little out of you know it's been a while <laughs> who else we know who we haven't talked about is we haven't really gotten super into the guards yet no uh they uh you know Wendell was pretty quiet I mean he's a leader on this team now but he was pretty quiet. He, the only thing I really have for him, like I don't remember a moment where I felt great necessarily get some good passes. He had one three I really didn't like where he did like a little move and then a step back three that I was just like, uh, like, okay. I'm just like watching these guys because we all know the like cons of these guards at this point. The, even the ESPN guys, even the national guys, like it is a national narrative now that these guards are fun, but they've had their issues trying to get the ball to the places they need to be and like trying to take over the game when they shouldn't and uh so that's what i was kind of watching and it's weird for a game like this but he he was still doing some stuff like that kd was still doing some stuff like that doing the in your face threes which is fine clearly he makes them like a decent clip but they also brought that up jay bills i think brought it up 29 percent from three last year just not acceptable if you're going to take that many threes so 
I'm just watching that. It was good. Katie made an open three. That's what I'm looking for also. Uh, Zepp was made an open three, but somewhat quiet. He played 16 minutes compared to Wendell's 18 compared to KD's 18. So he did play less minutes than a lot. Chris Moore played a lot less minutes, 14 minutes. It's one of the lower amounts on here. So it's Let's not analyze the minutes yet. I think that's getting a little too far, but uh, okay. Yeah, I got to get to this. I got to make sure we talk about this. So a few nominees for surprising things. And you got to tell me if I'm way off base. Skinny Wendell. That's been an off-season topic. He's slimmed down. He's trimmed. There's shirtless pictures in the pool with Bruce. He he did. It's, again, competition. We, we won't know. It, I did sense maybe a little more uh, agility and quickness. Maybe I'm just wanting to see that. That's nominee number one. Number two, Zeb Jasper looked like a completely different human than it. I think he might be the winner for like, wait, who's that? That's Zeb. He looked taller somehow, even though I'm pretty sure he's the same height. He's bigger. He played an, in an off-ball role. He did not run the point today, at least. He might next game. So I think that's interesting. And then uh, what was the other nominee? I had another good one of a returning player who looked uh, – different who was it you, you, matt was roasting me this morning with my request yeah, we were playing players. he doesn't know his players on he his was, they're in practice jerseys without last names on the back which is really frustrating on games like this they do this in the, the f-word sport too on a practice game where they don't have the names back and this is one of the biggest ones where we really need it because they're going to play deep depth and they had these new players the first game back with these guys and not only was it tough at first to know who was in like who was chance and who was johan and who was these other players on the team but then they all changed their hairstyles. They've all changed their body weights. I was like, oh, my God, who is who? I got to remember the numbers. And, you know, yeah, Zepp was tough for a minute there. Uh, Chance Thank and Katie you. and Johan were all in the game for, like, a solid, like, 30 seconds before I realized it. Because you just – it's hard to watch every player on the team at once. Yeah. At the end, we, we'll figure it out. But it's the same thing during the season even. They'll change their hairstyles two or three times. It always gets me the first, like, you kind of, like, base it off with their – oh, that's the headband guy. I think Flanagan was wearing like a ninja headband that took me a minute. Like he, he's changed his body. I think a little bit too. Always fascinating to see. Cause I mean, like, I think the line for us of like our knowledge goes, you know, we, we don't go as deep as like a Jay Phillips on like film study of recruits. Right. Like, so seeing chance Westry and then Johan, like Johan looked dip. I don't know if he, he's, he's skinnier just looked, than I thought he was going to be from the videos and stuff. I thought he was going to be a little more of a Haas type and he's a little more of like a, a young muscular dude but i gotta say like when he was on the floor with cardwell it almost looked like clones like it almost yeah, looked yeah. to me like and if that's how he looks then that's big enough like that's that's good um and then yeah chance just i knew he was lank lanky and kind of alarm but man when you see him compared to everybody else like it, he's it, actually got more muscle than i thought like i guess just from these descriptions from like articles and podcasts and things like the way they talk to describe Johan I thought he was going to be like kind of a thicker dude that was going to be kind of bullying people down low and he's got a little he's a little more slim than I thought he was going to be and then Chance in my head was going to be like JT Thor level skinny and lanky and he's not really he's like kind of looks like a normal guy out there he doesn't look that far off of like Alan Flanagan really size-wise like he doesn't look as cut of course as Alan Flanagan but he's he looks kind of similar size-wise so how, how nervous are you? Wendell got the start at point guard. Zepp played off. Wendell was clearly kind of the guard. He and uh, Chance and then Trey Donaldson when he was in was point guard. Um, are you concerned that Wendell Green might have the keys to this team for the entire season? Because I it, it really feels like with how Bruce is talking 
it feels like this is Wendell Green's team at point guard. I might have to turn the page a little bit on my criticisms of Wendell and KD and stuff because it is what it is at this point. These are who we have. And like it was, I had my arguments and things about why we might need to go. You find wanted Yuri Collins. Oh my God. I'm going to be so sad if Yuri Collins is so great again this year and we like missed out and we like struggle at guard again. I don't know if we really had a chance with him or what. It's, it's strange to me that he went back to St. Louis, but we play him again this year. So if he goes off for 20 assists on us, I'm going to be upset. But anyways, I think we're going to turn the page a little bit on these guards and just support them and just say that like, yeah, if, if this is who we have at guard, you better hope that Wendell gets it together and that Zepp gets it together. I was hoping we'd push Zepp a little more honestly because I, I was impressed with Zepp by the end of the year and really thought his offense was better. But somebody else made a good point that if he's the point guard, he can't make those open threes because he's not going to get the pass. I would have loved KD. Uh, man, little ball of in, intensity and energy and speed. But he's little and small, and he should be a better dribbler than he is really. And like he's a pretty great driver. But at his size, you would think like, all right, over this offseason – develop into a point guard a bit you want to play in the next level or anything you better be a point guard and he's not they're not really trusting him with that and it's his what junior year now he played a year at georgia and we're then, not letting him be point guard it, i mean if i'm him and i'm like it's a like career thing or whatever i'd be like kd over this all season you better learn how to play point guard if you want to move up to the next level or whatever and oh, they don't trust him with that and no. uh, yeah i wouldn't either he was still chaotic this game and he's yeah and he's, he's a ton of fun to watch i'm so glad we have him. he's the energy we need at times but uh i wish you know if i'm picking things for people to develop it would have been for him to maybe be able to, to play, play some backup point guard at times see we've got four point guard i mean like there's just no way there kd is like the sixth player on this team i would want him to be point guard there's just no way i guess yeah yeah maybe i would have liked wendell just to be i'd rather wendell be shooting the open three than kd so wendell i, I will say man he had some passes today that were just unreal hey wendell flashes in certain time where it's just like oh my gosh like you forget when he's playing within his own and i think at more of a distributor perhaps than getting a little you know, a I little too be... perimeter oriented with his own shot. That's why I like him at point guard. I, I really think our team is at its best when he is attacking and opening things up for everybody else. And I think, it, I think he gets in trouble occasionally, at least at this point in his career, when it becomes too much about the logo threes and the step backs. And like, I think he could be really the energizer bunny for this team, getting everything set up on offense. I think he has a really high floor. I think, I think what we've, yeah. that was my whole argument with him. He's got a really high floor. I think he's a lot of fun to play a lot of like, he would, he could be a third team SEC, second team SEC. I think we, the problem is we know he's got a low ceiling, not low ceiling, but like just, he doesn't have the short end ceiling that we need against like a top 10 team, top 25 team. We saw what happened when bigger teams could trap him, and he just gets a little flustered. And yeah, so maybe we hope he's got a little more Shreve Cooper in him, maybe a little more like, wow distributor type because he, he'd gotten some really good passes near the end of the year but like yeah he's gonna have to take a step back from this like hero three ball stuff and and take a step up a little bit on passing and being a distributor making his teammates better and we'll see we'll see i hope right. that you know so let's do this we, by the way we we haven't done this in a while so we're gonna have some zoom time restrictions that we didn't used to have so you want to do a second part on general stuff going on? We have one. Yeah, let, let's do some more. We'll try to merge the videos, but uh, yeah, we'll do a part two. And this part two is going to be uh, just generally what's going on and what's going to be happening in the next couple of months. So yeah. well, like, again, Auburn has a really impressive win. They played their brand of ball. They played Bruce Pearl basketball in August, which was fun to watch. They dominate with their athleticism. They dominate inside. They shot the ball pretty well and uh, got a big win. So on part two, 
uh, which will start here in just a second. We will just kind of go into general off-season notes, recruiting, and all sorts of stuff. So uh, good to talk to everybody. War Eagle. War Eagle. You're listening to part two of the Auburn Jungle podcast. Hopefully this, we merge this together, but just in case, I wanted to do a little intro. But we figured we talked, you know, we talked about the game, the first game in Israel. Now we can talk about the future games and some recruiting stuff and just what's going on over basketball. I don't know if you maybe want, Matt, want to start with like the schedule for the next two and kind of what we're looking at. Yeah. So um, for those in the States, which is most of us, um, maybe the pod is going to hit it big in Israel. We'll see. But uh, Sunday and Monday, both games are at the same time as the game today. Uh, that would be one Eastern noon central. And like I mentioned earlier, they stair step up. We're playing the Israel select team uh, next. And then the big one Monday against the Israeli national team. Um, th those are what's left. So it'll be two games in 24 hours. Um, and just so everybody needs to mark their calendar for Sunday lunchtime, uh, get some Auburn hoops. And then Monday, we got to, you know, make your plans, uh, long work, mark lunch, your, whatever you got to do. Yeah, mark your calendars off. Put a, whatever random meeting, lunch meeting, whatever. At least it's perfect timing for like a lunch. So hopefully you can take like a two-hour lunch. It's the summertime, guys. Take off a little time. Enjoy yourself. It's the only time for this basketball for a long time. Sunday will be perfect too. Uh, like I said, for the first team, you know, I've been trying to get some context on how good these teams are so we can have a little bit of like, Oh, well, if he's doing that against this guy, he's actually really good. Or, uh, you know, it's been very difficult. It's hard. You know, things are in Hebrew halftime. I've really tried to take a deep dive. I've even I like looked into their Instagrams and Twitters and tried to message some people even to maybe come on the pod and explain some stuff to us. Uh, no, nothing's happened so far, but uh, we know for sure that on Monday, the national team for Israel is a big deal. Uh, there's some talk about an NBA player on that team. Matt brought up earlier but I've also heard that he might not be playing in the game. Wow. So that they, cause it seems like we've joined in with them as much as we think this is a big deal for them. It seems like the U 20 team and the Olympic team are in tournaments right now. So it's kind of a strange uh, time for us to come over there also, which kind of sucks cause it's already not the best uh, basketball country. Really. I think it's cool that we end up going to kind of a, I think the, I looked up some lists today and sent them to Matt of like just trying to get some context on how good these places are. A list I saw of top 12 leagues from like uh, five or six years ago because one of them was it was saying that oh the Slovenia league is actually pretty good. It's got this guy named Luka Doncic or the Euro league is actually pretty good. It's got this guy named Luka Doncic plays a real Real Madrid. Take a look out for him. And so clearly he's been in the league for a while and clearly that shows how good some of the talent is in Europe. And uh, that's the best league. It was in Europe. There was some Turkey, there was uh, one with like uh, the former Yugoslavian nations like Croatia and Bosnia and different places that have a, a league, the other Italy, uh, Spain by itself, uh, Australia, they're all in that list, but Israel was not in the top 12. And then in a list in 2021, Israel was at least in the top 10 at number 10. So they seem to be getting better, uh, but it's still not like a destination for people to go. So you kind of need this Olympic team to be good. <laughs> And let's let's point this out. So the biggest thing we're going to do as we go throughout these three games is that there'll be more grown men. You're, you're playing against adults, uh, not the under 20 team where we had probably all the older guys on the floor today. And, and even Jay, I think Jay Billis mentioned that there were some under 18 guys and somebody in the space has mentioned that they were just coming off a, a big tournament, the U20 team, and they were didn't even have their best squad as a U20 team. So we really blew out what might be uh, – pretty likely the worst team we're going to play all year in our season. I think the worst team we played in a long time was that uh, 
that California Long Beach team. Remember that? They were pretty awful. But even they probably had some better athletes than this team did. So, well, and and the guy I was pointing out, there's a guy for the place for the Wizards, and I will butcher his name, but it's like Denny Avi Avija. He's been in the league for a couple of years. He is on their preliminary roster for the, uh, like, I guess they call it the, hang on, got it pulled up here, the FIBA Eurobasket 2022 tournament, which is the first week of September. It's like he is going to play in that, and he's been on that roster, but is he going to play in this meaningless game on Monday? I would guess not, but it's possible. I, I don't know if that tournament maybe is in Israel too, maybe, because I've seen their Twitter account and their Instagram, like, posting about the trophy in uh, Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and stuff. Ennis Cantor or Ennis Freedom is like in town for some reason right now too. I don't know if they're combining some stuff. I would love to see Ennis Freedom at one of our games and have the meeting of the minds of basketball politicians and Bruce Pearl and Ennis. That would be quite the uh, grinding of brains. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. I mean, yeah, it, this is just such a cool thing. And uh, man, you just hope that it has a similar effect for this team that the Italy trip clearly looking back. It's easy to play the results. That team had a great year in the tournament, obviously making the final four and all that. Tennessee, but... Tennessee with Stephen Pearl when they went to, yeah. you know, we talked about in the past ones, like a lot of this is less about the games necessarily and more about how many more practices they're getting, how much more time they're getting to bond on the court and even more importantly off the court. It seemed like the Bahamas game last year was a big, or the Bahamas tournament was a big moment for our team bonding. So just having these younger guys, different people like being around, doing things, having inside jokes, different stuff. We like talk about the stars and the recruiting and different things. But like sometimes in college basketball, it's about the bonding and the chemistry and like the these little things that the momentum is such a huge deal in college sports. And that's part of the reason we love it. And, and, and getting that momentum started early is a big deal. There, there was a little nugget, and Jay Billis, if you know, he's a little, he can be a little uh, dry and kind of, he just doesn't say a bunch of stuff just to kind of fluff it up. He can come off on broadcast a little opposite of like Homer. He's just like so black and white about everything, which I think is great for a, you know, a national announcer. But he said something after, and he's spending all this time with Bruce, right? So you would have to think the conversations are shading this a little bit, where he, he just kind of hinted like this might be one of Bruce's like favorite. Like he feels like this group is going to be a lot of fun to coach. And I just have to want like that. I, I just kind of wrote that down in my mind because uh, obviously that's, that could be coach speak, you know, obviously you're excited every year you have a, but I just, I think this group coming off of like this star studded thing we had last year that was so unique uh, I kind of get the sense that this is going to be a classic like Bruce Pearl system underdog. Uh, we're going to maximize our talent and our abilities. We're going to play together. We're going to play fast. We're going to play versatile. We're going to shoot the ball. We're going to, you know, press. You see how much they press today. Obviously, that's part of their install in, in offseason. Just, I don't know. I just took note of that. I, I wonder if there's something about these personalities that he really, really likes. The combination of the ones that are returning and the ones that are coming back, because I'll be honest, like the way they communicated, I don't care how bad your opponent is. There were like, you can count on one hand, the amount of defensive breakdowns Auburn had today. And that's just not all that common in a August pickup game. I, I think uh, you might have a point with, you know, bringing in Jabari Smith and even a guy like Walker in. And I know like it, it kind of snowballed throughout the year, the, the hype and all that kind of stuff. But this team might play with a little less pressure. There was so much pressure on that team by the time we got the number one ranking that 
I think it, we crumbled a little bit and it was this wasn't as fun and this team can kind of go out there and play like fast and loose and and if you lose a game here or there it's not quite as big of a deal and you just hope to peak at the right time in fact last year we were I think we were pretty open even it was like we might not peak at the right time but I'd rather get that number one ranking now than worry about peaking later this team might be one of those teams where he kind of keeps them fast and under has that underdog mind you couldn't have that underdog mindset last year it was impossible because we got too too good too fast almost you know so you're right it might be like the Cardwell and a KD and Broom guy seems like he's got some personality and he definitely got some personality with Wendell too. And like, it might be just a fun, like, screw you guys. We're, 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 maybe we're not that star studded team anymore, but we're, we're out there. You better watch out because we're going to make gonna it say, Everybody, um, I, I don't think you should read this much into today's game, but somebody on Twitter uh, put out, uh, if, if this is the fifth best team in the SEC this year, then the SEC is going to be like the best league I've ever seen. And, and it's possible we've talked about how stacked the league is going to be. But I do think it, it means something to have all these returning guys and a coaching staff. We've talked with the assistants, how it's so cohesive. They've all been together for so many years. At this point, they know what they're looking for. They know what they need to do. They know the weaknesses of last year's team. They know what they have to do to get better at. And I just get the sense, I just really, really like, in before today's gaming, but then seeing it today, like, I love the fit of Broom. I love what Chance looks like. And um, I just think it, it could be a really cool core of players that people are just – you're right about the guards. Nationally, all these people watch Jabari Smith film, and they trashed our guards. I mean, if you listen to any NBA draft stuff, they thought – so classic Bruce Pearl chip on your shoulder, small guards, back for another year, another year more experience. Hey, we were – a you might have forgotten, but we were a pretty important part of that SEC championship team last year, too. And now we have some experience and we're hungry because we didn't go out the way we wanted to go out in either tournament. I just think it sets up really nicely for Auburn, for a Bruce Pearl team. I'm not saying they're going to win the league or you know be a Final Four team necessarily. Just I think the potential's there. There's enough top-end talent. I think that's your concern. Your concern was, does this team have enough high-end talent to be – can they beat a Kentucky? Can they beat what Arkansas might have? Can they go in the tournament and beat some of these teams? Do we have these like, fatal flaws? You can, they it, can. I think they. I think they might have enough. You just wonder if we have these fatal. We're aiming for championships at this point. You know, like that's where we are, and we wonder if you build it. Like we're getting such good talent in now that you hate to have any kind of like fatal flaw that a good team can just push on every time we have a game, and, and it seems like they figured that out on us last year, and it was really not great because we knew how great our talent was. And it was really heartbreaking to have that, that kind of fatal flaw at the end, but every team's going to have that, you know, the only teams that don't really are these teams will never probably get to compete again. Or well, we'll, we compete against them. We can beat them. We just, uh, we'll see recruiting wise, if we can ever really, you know, get there, but. Well, let's talk about that. So the, the, the pipeline keeps coming, right? Auburn picked up a top point guard, another small guard, Aiden Holloway over Tennessee. Recently, that's the start to the 2023 class. Really excited about him. Listen to Jay Phillips, by the way. Uh, not that anybody cares, but my allegiance is now with Auburn on three, auburnlive.com. My uh, subscription, I, I went away from another site to follow uh, some people. And, and obviously, Jay's there too. So go uh, sign up for that. I think they do a lot of really good stuff. But uh, they did a podcast briefly, like a 15-minute episode yesterday, I believe, talking about the commitment and what kind of player you're getting there. 
and he just feels like a cut. He, he dominated the Peach Jam. He had a really good week there, which if you followed Auburn recruiting, that's a huge tournament in Georgia that Auburn has really cherry-picked. That was a Jared Harper kind of coming out party when he was a recruit. Um, just feels like another one of these small guard, really good shooter, good ball handler, going to be the next floor general probably after this wave of, of guards kind of comes through. So um, the, the recruiting just kind of keeps – and it's interesting because we didn't have a commit, you know, for that class until him, and now he's close with a guy named Wesley Yates who's a big guy out there that Auburn really wants. I don't know if they're going to get him, but a um, couple big fish. And it just feels like Auburn is settling into this thing in recruiting where, you know, you're going to pick up two or three as, as good of high-end players as you can get and add in the best transfers you can get. You know, and, and it seems like that's kind of how our approach is right now. In, in Surprisingly enough, Wesley Yates is ranked lower than Aiden Holloway. In my head, I don't know if I thought maybe that was, you know, they're both they're right next to each other. Aiden Holloway is number 30. Wesley Yates is number 31 on composite yeah. 24-7. Some, some services have him as a top 20 player, I believe. Yeah. Still a big deal. Those guys are on the list like that. Uh, yeah, let's, not, let's not poo-poo our uh, – Chance Westry ended up right in that 30 range. Yeah, I, I was about to bring that up, that uh, like, it's interesting that Aiden is a four-star at 30. And, like, I, I, I'm i guilty of this all the time. I get caught up in stars and things yeah. and not really worry about where they're ranked necessarily. Like, Johan's like, oh, my God, Johan, because he's a five-star. He was the last five-star that class. He was number yeah. 26, and it was number 27 was a four. Number 27 was a four-star. In this class, the last five-star is number 22. No, number 21. So, yep. just it's kind of all over the place. You can't, like – you know, Look, if you have high four star, low five star, it's not that different. But if you're getting, yeah, you, know. you know, we should be thrilled. I know you. we've raised our expectations, but like, I know it's hard when Kentucky recruits the way they do and when Arkansas is doing what they're doing. But like, we're getting top 50 players left and right. Like, we can't gloss over the fact that that never happened at all. Yeah, and now we're just getting used to it, you know. But, but I, that's your a sentence is exactly what I want people to understand. Like, we, Bruce and this staff's development and eye for talent and the fit for this program. And it's, it's, it's clearly catching on. I mean, guys see it as a unique place to go play basketball. Like a guy like Aiden Holloway could have gone pretty much anywhere. And he liked the, the track record of what Bruce has done with guards like him and the freedom that they play with. You hear people mention all that, how Bruce is just the coach I want to play for. And let's just not like, you know, I feel like, as a fan base, we did that with Chance Westry. We just completely glossed well, it's, over it's the so, fact. That he, I was going to bring this up earlier, but I meant to bring it up right now is that, uh, you know, this guy, if he committed in like January, you know, amongst a bunch of hype and we were already late in our class or whatever, and there was like some, right, I don't know who his other guys were on his list or whatever, but if it was like a Tennessee, I think was on his list, you know, Tennessee really wants some and he's going down the wire and it's March or something, we would be going nuts. Oh my goodness. we got to get this guy. We're going to be losers. If we don't get this guy. And if we get him, we're going to the But because he committed in like this doldrum of the season early on or whatever, we just, we don't have the same drama, you know, which is great. These players that don't have the drama are way better. And I said the same thing with Julian Phillips, you know, these players that love the drama, they just, they're not our guys. They never are. You know, we rarely win those guys. And you and I know we trust Bruce and this staff. I mean, at this point, they've just proven that they're they're never going to be outworked. They're always looking ahead. They always have a backup. They, they seem to always have a plan. Every time we've swung and missed on some big fish, we always end up with really good players. 
And go, I think go to go to evaluator, man. Super under Bruce is like like they tell him a great recruiter. He's a great recruiter because he's a good evaluator. He finds these guys so early and gets them because he found them so early, and they all develop really well usually. Like we talked about that with what's his name, JD Davis, and with Alabama. I just have in my heart of hearts believe that if he went to Auburn, he would have been a way better player by the time he ended up leaving, or he would still be here developing. You know, it's just and, it's annoying. And they've also mastered this thing in this new era where. They played the Walker Kessler shocking them and going to North Carolina thing perfectly. They didn't burn bridges. They didn't ghost him. They didn't get, you know, pissy and run away. They they were right there a year later because you know anybody can come. Johan, the, the way that they uh, – or not Johan, Jabari. Jabari was flirting. You know, Jabari could have gone anywhere. And the way – I think Jabari said that and his dad said that. The way that Auburn they didn't really negatively recruit. They just, they believed that they had, that was the best spot and it won out in the end. I think Johan, you know, didn't choose Auburn originally, but you, so I, I just, at this point, I think we should all just, you know, there's other sports that you can worry about recruiting and things. I, this is not one of them. I think Bruce continues to be ahead of the game. I think he's adapting to the times. It's never been harder in the SEC, but that's, a, that's how Bruce would want it, man. Like he's, he's that grinder. He's a hard worker. They're always, it just impresses me. Again, they continue to find these kids that seem to be great fits with what the program's trying to do. The only, the only reason I worry was just because of how fast the ground is, has been moving and recruiting. You seem to, they seem to be on top of it, which is amazing. Uh, you know, I think we lost out. I think we can all pretty, pretty much put the stake in the ground that we lost out on Julian Phillips almost exclusively because of NIL money, which really sucks. But I don't think it's because we weren't ready for it at all when we just didn't. Tennessee's been throwing money around like crazy. And it and, seems like, for the most part, we have not gotten into these big bidding battles. We just got into a weird one with Julia Phillips. It was super late in the game, and we thought we had a chance at this five-star guy that kind of, like, jumped in out of nowhere. It seems like we have a real plan with all these guys, and we're not getting into these weird, like, we're throwing money at anybody in and seeing what happens kind of thing. And, and I do think we need to be honest. If, if Julian Phillips is the real deal, and we've, we've seen in basketball, you don't have to make a big contribution in college to be a one-and-done NBA player, right? So if he goes to Tennessee and has a – 12.6 rebounds a year and his raw talents enough to get him drafted. It, would he be playing ahead of chance and Allen Flanagan this year? I, I like I said, every time I think Bruce, like in my heart of hearts of these guys, like can take these guys further than any other coach. And it always annoys me when they go somewhere else and kind of, I think Memphis had some guys like that and things. I'm just like, man, if you guys, if you actually went to a coach that cared about college basketball and cared about developing people, then you would have done so much better, you know, maybe. We'll see about some of that stuff. We'll see how the rest of this class develops. My, my big thing about modern day recruiting now in college basketball, and then you wish a guy like Tevin Brown would come instead of just going, like you hate to see these guys leave early for the NBA and not really make it. And you wonder why in the, the age of NIL and all this kind of stuff. But it seems the, the thing you want to do is try to get like top 100 players, but not any of these developmental guys. You let these developmental guys go to G5. And every year, like there seems to be this thing where like usually you used to have these like big, pressure classes where you need to sign four or five guys and we, the last two three years we keep thinking the next one's going to be that one where we need four or five guys and then we fill in with the transfer stuff so i think that's the strategy now is you get two maybe three guys from the top 100 to come in with some real high-end talent that might be one year of development and then you fill out the rest of these g5 guys like a like a broom that can come in and, and have already like gone through his you know issues and stuff you know and you mix those with your returning players, which Auburn has such a strong culture right now with the program. Like, you, you know, you can laugh all you want about Chris Moore, but watch every video that this team puts out with our video crew and ESPN. Like, 
you, you go tell me that Chris Moore doesn't matter to this team. I mean, he, he does. He may not put a ton of points up, but that matters in college. I still believe that that, that mattered. If you want to go NBA, you know, Miami is paying my, the heat are paying Udonis Haslam a salary and he's 40 something years old. And it's not, he, if he plays, it's hilarious. Cause it's just, he's old and he can't play anymore, but they see value in having a guy there that can, you know, provide some wisdom and, and, yeah. And he cares about the team. He cares about the team succeeding. It's, it's tough in this day's and age, too, how you can transfer at any moment and stuff to keep these guys like Chris Moore and stretching them around anyway. So good for us, honestly. Like, me and Matt argued about this on our end-of-the-season podcast, who we need to let go. Like, like, at what point in this new AAU style build a team every year kind of thing do you really, like, get aggressive with it? And, like, now that you look back, like, having a guy that's, like, your third or fourth option a certain thing be Chris Moore that's pretty freaking good especially in the day and age when like if he did leave and we couldn't promise the next guy any playing time we might have ended up with somebody worse you might end up with a guy like uh, a couple years back Bruce took a weird flyer on uh Yvonne Franklin Yvonne Franklin and he just it wasn't there and that could have been who it is and Chris Moore is definitely there more than Javon Franklin was so you know, you and, know. and I just I personally just I like having a full raw. I just like having options. And we played 12 players today that will all, that can contribute in a game. I, I just believe that. And then that's not Cam Lior, who we saw last year, can contribute if, if needed. So we have a full roster of 13 players. And most years you don't need that. You need to have a rotation of nine or ten like Bruce likes to play. But we've seen, I mean, it, it takes one or two things happening where you're going to be really grateful to have some of those depth pieces that, like you said, it's hard to keep sometimes. So um, I'm really, I, I like this group. I think, and that seemed to be the takeaway today, just looking at Twitter and talking to people. Like I think it was people's first glimpse into this group on the floor together. And there's just a lot of likable people that we're familiar with. And then the new guys just seem to blend in seamlessly to this system that I feel like the fan base is just getting more and more used to watching. Great to see on a Tuesday people getting excited for this. I was afraid maybe people would just kind of forget about it or not know what's happening. You know, we were seeing how many people actually listen to this episode and stuff. And I saw other podcasts happening. I've seen people on Twitter. I've seen people on Reddit. It's great, man. Have fun with it. Hopefully Sunday people are going to have like, not necessarily schedule completely around it, but it's going to be like a lunchtime game. I know a lot of people listen to go to church, go to church, go get some lunch and watch the game after with your friends or something. Like enjoy it, get festive with it, you know? Oh yeah. No, it's great. So, and we start a thing too. I know it's probably already starting on Twitter or wherever. Like, I hope it's a thing. National champions of Israel. If we can win all three of these, we're getting rings, we're getting hats, we're getting shirts. We national champs of Israel. You saw, right. That the people were memeing the official Israel Twitter account, not, not the basketball, the the country Israel. Yeah, I saw that. I love it. I didn't know. Like, I think people were looking like, where's which, which Twitter are we going after? I, Absolutely love this. People are starting to keep that going. That's going to be a whole cultural thing. But this is our new thing. National champions of Israel, guys. We've got to push that one. Two more to go. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on, I'm trying to think of what else has happened. Obviously, it's been cool to see Walker Kessler came back and was around the team before they left. Uh, Jabari's been just continuing every, at every turn, repping Auburn and Twitch. I saw, I saw uh, Chuma and Isaac Okoro were back too, man. It's going to be yeah. super cool another year or two. I mean, already happening as we see it right now, but like, man, another year or two, another NBA player to a Johan or something makes this year or somebody else. Like it's going to be really cool to be like a, this weird little town in Alabama is going to be a center for like these NBA players just coming and training and stuff. 
Very cool. I guess we can mention that uh, the War Ready team in the TBT got their first win. We just uh, blast from the past. Who's on that team? Like, I can I cannot be bothered to care, especially now that we have Israel tournament stuff. But like, when they first did that after the final four run, I definitely care. It's like the pandemic was happening too, and all that. But man, there are some. It's like the team of like uh, the the team well, of players that could have been if they just could have gotten like their off the court stuff and their like stuff behind the ears together you know well and so <laughs> so they opened it up a little bit this year like one of their guards was tim quarterman who played at lsu so they they had some other players but it's still an auburn based team uh the really bummer part apparently some some personal things happened with malik dunbar hopefully nothing you know too crazy he never made the trip he never made it in oh. uh, bryce ended up having a back issue and he didn't get to play oh. in either game so like no bryce was a huge shot um so you had Quantez Robertson one of my favorite players from when I was in school he he's actually a coach in North Alabama somewhere and wow. he but he played uh some minutes I believe and then um what, what years were there? I feel like I remember hearing that name was that some like Lebo was Jeff Lebo, Jeff yeah. Lebo late 2000s he wasn't card. on the uh the big the NIT team that was the glory of the Lebo years was he oh goodness was he I think he was wow those were the days, man. That was that was peak Auburn basketball in the 2000s was going to like late NIT tournament. It was. Here's some other names for you. Uh, TJ Dunnans was on oh, this. Oh, man. Mustafa Heron. Mustafa Heron came back and played. Wow. There's a Mustafa Heron uh, po- poster at my favorite sports bar in all of New York. The best sports bar in all of New York. Standings. It's amazing. If you're ever in New York, go to Standings, and it's covered in cool memorabilia and right for some reason the last year someone added a st john's mustafa heron poster in there uh let's see i'm trying to think of it i feel like it's, it's a list of players that have got like weird issues right they were talented at weird tj dunnett's daniel purifoy mustafa heron uh purifoy, right he hit the game winning shot in one so purifoy, i was gonna saving purifoy i know he's you, you guys gotta be glad i wasn't around this podcast wasn't around during the the Purifoy days, man. The phone calls I had with with Matt about Purifoy, <laughs> I was spot on though. You just, I think, yeah. Uh, don't get me was, We we could have had some great debates with if we could have found like a Purifoy truther to like. Yeah, debate. there were some people out there, man, that really thought at any moment he was gonna get it together. And, and to be fair, he he did, in my opinion, after everything he went through a lot that wasn't always his fault with NCAA stuff and his parents and stuff, but like. He was incredible uh, when Chuma went down in the tournament. He really was. He he stepped in beautifully and played the best basketball of his career, which I'll always his moment. He got his moment. Other than that, though, question. Next year was a disaster. <laughs> and, and he had a good freshman year before he got hurt. Yeah, that's really what it is. People really got hyped on that freshman year. Anyway, that's about it. Um, so it was – but, you know, Bryce couldn't play. You wonder, you wonder if Flanagan might end up being one of those kind of guys where we're just like – at least we know Flanagan's a good kid that's like – night like nice guy or whatever like that we can cheer for purifoy maybe similar people are like talking three years from now like well he had that one team we really thought you know we'll see it, it'll be interesting to see who uh who ends up playing but Is anybody else weird on that team was that the four only four guys from the auburn was uh the there? ones that ended up there and playing yeah wow yeah because bryce and, and malik didn't do it damn so we're supposed to have malik on the podcast at one point but he he backed out because he had some g league games going on maybe we'll see if we can get him and like a high, if we can get him hyped up again, I'm sure during the season he might might jump on. Well, and you know, it, it was good to see them get a win. You know, I know it's been a hard thing for them. They haven't really had been able to get a win yet. And I think they've had some frustrations just with 
you know, people people were frustrated, obviously, not getting to see Malik and Bryce. I mean, that's two huge personalities and names off that team. And I think some people, when they lost, kind of took it, got a little – there was some thing they, – they put out a passive-aggressive tweet on Twitter that was like, do y'all even think we should do this anymore? Should we just like, <laughs> it was, it was really weird, but then everybody. I, I, like, I was about to say, I, I wonder if there's going to be like, I think, cause the whole deal is that you win like a million dollars, right? If you win the whole tournament. And yeah. so they get together and like, these guys have real lives outside of basketball now for the most part, like they've pretty much everybody you named on that team is done. Or, yeah. or competing lives with that. Like a lot of them do play in different leagues around the world. Yeah. Or so it's it's, it's kind of weird to jump into this that they've only been able to win like zero games or two games well, this time. you have to win what six or seven of them or something six and uh this year it expanded out and, and um they have to fundraise because you don't get any money unless you win it so that people some people don't like fundraising things it seems like, that. like they seem like there might be some like other like shady money stuff that you have to do too there seems to be like a bunch of people involved that are outside of the actual players and then the players themselves are a little like gets political when I'm sure some players are putting up some money and some aren't and some are, you know, but there was a move uh, on Twitter. I saw that a lot of people, they were trying to get trending, like uh, let's let Auburn arena host a first round basketball tournament game. You'll have a sold out arena. You'll have crazy. It would, it would happen. It would happen. I guarantee on the people on the team, I guess. If you had that group of people, I guarantee you in July, oh. Auburn, it would be a sellout. I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe. There's it's, nothing else to do. If, if, hey, I'm not going to – yeah, I should stop poo-pooing it. If, if you guys had fun watching them and you had fun following along, then that's great. That's fun. Yeah. There's no – you remember being in Auburn in July? There's I mean, nobody there. No one exists. They're all gone. No, it's a growing town now. There's enough people. I guarantee you that would sell it out. True. I haven't been back – I guess I went back for the, that game or whatever, but I don't go back that often. So, anyways, any other, any other stuff out there? We talked about TBD for – 10 minutes. I hope people enjoyed that. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to think of things that have happened. No. <laughs> good, good. Um, the biggest thing, I think, is just all our coaches are still intact, coming back for another year. Everything seems to be going really well. Uh, all that stuff from, like, past seasons, like with NCA, you know, it really feels like all that's in the rearview mirror now. There's this new world, which we're both fearful of, but, you know, you're, it, if you're still like listening. a good spot. If you're still listening to this podcast this late, which I doubt anyone at all, it's probably just me and Matt at this point. Uh, if you have any opinions on like the future season stuff, this is the best time to let us know if you like certain parts of the show and want to keep them around. Or if you don't like parts of the show or you think we do them too long or do them too short. I'm a long podcast guy. Matt likes them a little shorter. Let us know, especially if you're listening this late. <laughs> you're, you're the real dedicated after your national game. I can't believe we did another podcast this late. Let us know what you want to hear and uh, we'll we'll get it done. Yeah, engage with us on Twitter, Instagram, all that. Jackson does a great job with that. He still doesn't get or like Twitter sometimes, but he's, just, he's out there. He's out there. Do. It's like feels like I'm yelling into the void. More people interact with us, so I feel like I'm actually doing something. Um, but no, so, I mean, we'll plan. Uh, we haven't discussed this. Are we doing one episode after the two games? Are we doing two episodes? Well, we got to do an episode each. I'm enjoying the mess out of this. This is okay. like, we won't be able to do it again for another couple months, and I want to, like, really get into it, so. I hope All you guys right. will get into it too. I won a national championship. We haven't won a national championship before. I won our first national championship. Yeah, and I well, I'm gonna say this. So we probably will upgrade our Zoom stuff so we can go as long as we want during the season. But I'm I'm gonna say for these two games that are pretty meaningless, let's stick to that 45 minute Zoom window for our episodes, uh, unless we get well, tons we of feedback. Already, there's only three of them. We already messed one up. So well, but this one we had to cover other stuff. This is the okay. Perfect. Okay. It'll be easier with these two games, I promise. All right. I mean, if we win the national championship, I'm going 
four hours. So. True. We have to go three hour pod for the national championship of this. Yeah. Uh, on All right. All right, man. War Eagle. War Eagle. Thanks for listening, everybody.